Hello, and welcome to Field Notes, the weekly podcast of the Military Fellowship Center in Jacksonville, North Carolina, serving Marines stationed at Cap Lejeune and surrounding areas. Military Fellowship Center is a ministry of Military Evangelism Incorporated. Our speaker and host for the program is Dave Mason, the General Director of Military Evangelism and the Field Director at Jacksonville. Visit us on the web at militaryfellowshipministry.com or email us at militaryfellowshipctr at gmail.com. Now, here's Dave Mason. Hebrews chapter 10, we're going to start in verse 31 tonight, and we're going to talk about repairing your faith. Probably my favorite hymn of all time says, the third stanza says, prone to wander, Lord, I feel it, prone to leave the God I love. Here's my heart, oh, take and seal it, seal it for thy courts above. And um, the fact of the matter is, is that we all find ourselves less than we once were at some point. Right? Always. It's a, it's a constant thing. We're always finding ourselves less than we once were. And we're always trying to find a way back to where we were, that, that point in our lives when we were a lot more faithful, when we were far more evangelistic, when we, were far, when we enjoyed reading our Bibles, where we enjoyed praying, we enjoyed the fellowship of the saints. Sometimes we find ourselves where we're, when we're, not just, we're just not as serious about our faith as we should be, right? And so tonight... I've got just one point to my lesson and one suggestion about how to repair broken faith. And what we're going to do is we're going to go through verses 31 through 39. I'm going to exposit it for a good bit. Go line by line. Hey, Josh. Go line by line very quickly. We are in Hebrews 10, 31. Um, And then I want to just give you this one suggestion from my heart, from the Word of God, this one simple basic thing you can do to begin to repair your faith. So pick up in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 31. It is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. But call to remembrance the former days in which you, after you were illuminated, you endured a great fight of afflictions, partly while you were made a gazing stock, both by reproaches and afflictions, partly while you became a companion of them who were so used. For you had compassion of me and my bonds, and took joyfully the spoiling of your goods, knowing in yourselves that you have in heaven a better and an enduring substance. Cast not away, therefore, your confidence, which has great recompense of reward. For you have need of patience, that after you've done the will of God, you might receive the promise. For for yet a little while, and he that shall come will come, and will not tarry. Now the just shall live by faith. But if any man draw back, my soul shall have no pleasure in him. But we're not of them who draw back unto perdition, but of them that believe to the saving of the soul. Father God, thank you for the night and for everybody here. Help us to understand your word now. In Jesus' name, amen. So Paul is saying right here in the very beginning in verse 32, Call to remembrance the former days. Remember your early days. Remember when you first found Jesus. Because we all find, like I said, we all find ourselves at a point when we're not what we used to be, right? 
We'll find ourselves at this point where we don't have the joy we used to have. We don't have the fellowship we used to have. And Paul is saying very plainly, remember those days. Call those your remembrance. Um, you know, uh, because, you know, a broken faith can happen to anybody at any age. And he says, remember that time when you were illuminated, even though you endured great afflictions. Illumination, that's an incredible Bible concept. Uh, it, it involves the inspiration of the Bible and the interpretation of the Bible. Uh, great men of God were used to, to write the Bible. They were illuminated. The truth was revealed to them. They came to understand what God was telling them. And the same thing happens to us as we read the Word of God, as we fellowship around the Word, as we pray, we experience illumination. Suddenly the light goes off. The little, now this is when I need that phone thing to go bing, you know. <laughs> we have that moment when all of a sudden the, the bell rings and we go, oh, wait a second, now I get it, right? Have you ever read the same scripture for like the 15th time, then all of a sudden it looked completely different? Yeah, it happens, doesn't it? And so this is what Paul is saying. Remember that time when you were illuminated, when you first understood, when you were first illuminated by the Word of God. Remember a few weeks ago, we had that fellow in here, and he's like, hey, can I share this verse with you guys? My, my gunny gave this to me the other day, and it's just, it, means, it means so much to me, and I just wanted to share it with you in case you guys have never heard. And he read John 3.16. And you know what? We all need to get back to that point where that verse is brand new to us. Correct? Where that verse excites us the way it excited that young guy. But more importantly, Paul says, don't just remember when you were first illuminated. Remember the trials and the tribulations, the problems and the heartaches that you overcome in your life so much easier when you were younger because you were in the Word and living by faith. And we all have ups and downs in our faith. If you're in upswing now, praise God. But remember to remind yourself when times get tough, and they will, that if God could do it before, He can do it again. Right? If God brought you through this thing before, He can bring you through this thing again. There's Jesse. 1 Samuel 17, 37, David said, Moreover, the Lord that delivered me out of the paw of the lion and out of the paw of the bear, He'll deliver me out of the hand of the Philistine. Remember when we went through the life of David? What did David say to King Saul? Saul said, You're just a kid. You can't fight this guy. He goes, Yeah, well, I was watching my sheep and a lion came. I grabbed it by the beard and I ran a, ran a knife through its throat. Bear came. I killed it too. This nine foot six Philistine's nothing. My God had allowed me to protect my sheep and kill those two animals. He'll let me kill this Philistine. He's nothing. And David said, I remember what God did in my life before. And if God could do it before, he can do it now. And we need to remember that when we find ourselves kind of shipwrecked in our faith. Because quite frankly, some of us used to serve with gladness. We used to give abundantly. We used to pray fervently. We used to study diligently. And Paul says in verse 34, You had compassion on me in my bonds. You took joyfully in the spoiling of your goods, knowing in yourselves that you have in heaven a better and enduring substance. Paul reminds them, these Hebrews, how they gave of themselves, desiring, looking for, expecting a greater reward. Look, you got, you got 70 years. Anything past that is the grace of God. Make the most of it. I got 18 years left till I hit 70. You know? And that's it. I'm in my last quarter. Y'all are entering into your second quarter. You already went into the, you know, you finished your first quarter of your life when you graduated high school. 
and now you're in the second quarter of your life. Third quarter's coming up when you're gonna be building families and, and doing other things. And then you're gonna find yourself where I'm at. I'm in the fourth quarter. I'm at the end. I mean, I know it sounds weird for me to be saying that, but I, you know, take a look at me. I'm old, you know? I'm at the end, I, I've, got, I've got 18 years left, maybe. I might not have that much left, you know? Well, I'm just saying that you don't know when you're gonna go. I'm gonna make the most of what little bit of time I have left. You know, and the way I get past those hard times in my life is I remember how God brought me through the other hard times. I remember how God brought me through when we thought Ben had cancer. I remember how God brought me through three miscarriages with me and my wife. Our, we lost our first baby and our, we lost our last two. I remember how God brought me through when we had no oil in our furnace for two weeks in the middle of January in Maryland when there was, what, 17 inches of snow on the ground or something? And we had no money to pay for the oil. And I had a 225-gallon tank, and I had about 25 gallons left when I discovered that we were just about out of oil. And two weeks later, and we kept the house warm. We didn't freeze. And two weeks later, when we finally got an oil truck there, he could only get 200 gallons of oil into our tank. The whole time I was praying, you did not let the cruise of oil fail for the widow. And this is a different kind of oil, but I need you to do it for me. And he kept us warm for two weeks, burning nothing. But we kept that furnace on for those two weeks. We didn't turn it off. We just kept trusting him. And if God can do that, I walked out of the jail one day, gun on my hip, briefcase in my hand, going home from my shift, and I just said, God, it'd be great if you paid my rent this month because we got a couple bills we really need to take care of. If you would do that, that'd be awesome. That was a Thursday. I went home, forgot all about it. Sunday morning we went to church. Sunday night we came back. Paul Cottrell comes up to me with an envelope in his hand at church. He goes, hey, Dave, this was in the, in the offering plate this morning with your name on it. I was like, what's this? He goes, well, I asked the person. I know who it is. I'm not telling you who it is. He says, I asked them, is this for you? Is this for the church you're getting ready to plan? They said, the Lord told them to give this to you personally for you to use personally. My rent was $500. There were five $100 bills in that envelope. And I know if God could do it then, he can do it now. Amen? So, and you're going to have those stories. You're going to get to be 40, 50 years old like me someday, and you're going to have stories like that if you'll just keep the faith. If you'll just keep repairing your faith, because you're going you're gonna to repair it, and it's going to break again, and you're going to have to repair it again. You've got to keep going at it. This is, this is life, because you're still in your flesh. Does this hurt? No. Come on. No. See? Did that hurt? <laughs> Could you feel it? I felt it, yeah. Yeah, you're still in your flesh, <laughs> so you're still going to mess up. You still reside in a body of flesh, and you're still going to mess up. I just got smacked by Dave. In case y'all didn't well, see Wesley that. wasn't here, so I had to smack you. If it was Wesley, I would have... And it would have been a harder smack if it was Wesley, trust me. All right? Yeah, I would have done a lot harder if it was Wesley. But you're still in your flesh, dude, and you're going to mess up. That's not a license to mess up. That doesn't give you an excuse. But know that it's going to happen. But he is faithful and just if you confess your sins to forgive you of your sins and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. All right? So what do we do when we mess up? We get back. We go back to what we know. We repair the faith. How do you do it? First thing you do is you don't give up. Verse 35. Look at this. Cast not away, therefore, your confidence. 
which has great recompense of reward. For you have need of patience, that after you have done the will of God, you might receive the promise. For yet a little while, and he that shall come will come and will not tarry. Don't cast away your confidence. You once had great confidence in God. Don't, don't give up on that. You know, keep that confidence. Keep the faith. Don't turn back. Keep your first love. You know, when you read the seven letters of the church that Jesus writes to the church in, in Revelation chapters 2 and 3, the first one is the church at Ephesus. That's the apostolic church. That's the church that was pastored by John the Revelator who, who transcribed the book of Revelation from Jesus Christ. And the first thing Jesus says to the church of Ephesus, you've left your first love. I've had something against you. You've left your first love. You don't love me like you used to. The very first church. And if they can do that, if they can walk away from loving Jesus uh, and they had seen him with their eyes, how much more can we? So what do we do? We keep at it. What did Jesus say to that church? He says, you've left your first love. Revelation chapter 2, verse 3. Remember, therefore, from whence you are fallen and repent and do the first works. Or I'll come back quickly and remove your candlestick out of its place, except you repent. The candlestick being the pastor of the church. You won't have a church anymore. Why do we keep the faith? Why do we not cast away our confidence? Because there's a great reward waiting for us. Verse 35, there's a great recompense of reward. There is a reward for faithfulness. It might take a while for you to see it, but there's no reason to give up. You will eventually see the reward. The Christian who gives up because God's reward is taking too long is like a pregnant woman who's seven months long and decides, I'm not going to be pregnant anymore. Ain't nothing you can do about it. You're still pregnant. Right? Even worse, it's like the woman who's on the table, feet in the stirrups, pushing, goes, I don't want to do this. You don't have a choice. You're going to have a baby. Whether you like it or not, you can't get out of this, right? The baby's coming whether you decide against it or not. So why not try to enjoy the process? And Paul even says, don't you look at, look at a woman when she travails in birth, incredible pain, but afterwards so much joy that she forgets the pain. Right? Hey, you're going through hard times, but a better day is coming. The key to success in any endeavor is to not give up, period. Winston Churchill said, great, great acts of valor and, and, and great intelligence and, and, and great knowledge are not the keys to success. The key to success is endurance, never stopping. What was that, his famous speech in front of Parliament? Never give up, will never surrender, right? So we don't give up, and we live by faith. Look at verse 38. Now the just shall live by faith, but if any man draw back, my soul shall have no pleasure in him. But we're not of those that draw back unto perdition, but of them that believe to the saving of the soul. Only faith can please God. Doing good works won't. Giving won't. Even praying doesn't please God unless all those things are accompanied by faith. This is not the first time this phrase appears in our Bible. In fact, it's the fourth time. First time you see the phrase, the just shall live by faith, is in Habakkuk chapter 2, verse 4, when God gives the prophet a vision. 
It says write the vision, make it plain, make it big so that you can, those that run by can see it. And, and then Habakkuk responds by saying, yes, the just will live by faith. Yeah, I'm, gonna, I'm just going to trust you that you're going to make this vision come to pass. Then in Romans 1.17, Paul, verse, six, verse 16, my life verse, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For herein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, the just shall live by faith. How do other people gain faith? You share your faith with them. It's the only way it happens. The only way people get saved. The only way people find faith in Jesus Christ is when you share your faith with them. And now Galatians 3.11, Paul repeats it. The just shall live by faith, and now here. So if it says it in the Bible, it's important. If it says it you know, twice, we better listen, right? But this is one of the few statements in your Bible that's repeated four times. The just shall live by faith. God wants us to live by faith, walk by faith, do all by faith. In fact, living by faith is our chief duty as a Christian. John 6, 28. They, then they said to him, What shall we do that we might work the works of God? And Jesus said to them, This is the work of God, that you believe on him whom he sent. That's the, that's, that's the work of God, believing in faith. So if you live by faith, you'll grow, you'll mature, you'll see the hand of God in your life. We walk by faith, not by sight, 2 Corinthians 5, 7. But if you live by sight, only believing what you see, never taking a chance, not stretching yourself, Afraid of failure, afraid of success even. The Bible says here you're drawing back under perdition, which is condemnation and damnation in hell. You're drawing back. You're acting like you're going to hell. Now, that's not saying you're going to lose your salvation. But what he's saying is when we do not act according to faith, we're living our lives the way we used to before we found Jesus. And living for ourselves, living only for our pleasure, only for our comfort, that didn't work out so well, did it? It screwed up your life, didn't it? Because if that had actually worked, you would have never came to Christ. And so we come to my one point. This is my one point tonight. How do you repair your faith? Here it is. You ready? This is the most profound thing you're ever going to hear in your life. Do something. That's it. Do something. Quit sitting in your bunk wondering how things are going to get better. Quit mulling it over in your mind trying to figure things out. Quit praying about it and never doing anything about it. Quit asking everybody to help you. Just do something. Do something. In 2013, I started a project for myself. I, I wanted to encourage myself to write more because I fancy myself a writer as well as an artist and everything else. And the, the project was designed to break me out of my malaise and challenge me to quit fearing the typewriter uh, and just do something. And so I, I challenged myself to write, at the minimum, one typewritten page on my old manual typewriter every day for 30 days. And I posted it on my blog. To keep myself, and some days I wrote two or three pages, and I would scan them, and then I would post the pictures on my blog, and people could read it. You can go to pastordavemason.com, go back to 2013, and you can read those posts. Some, day, some days they were theological things, some days they were just little short stories that I would write. 
Most of my short stories have a crime novel bent to them, mystery, that kind of thing. Um, but it was just to get me to not fear the typewriter anymore. And you know what the result of that was? The next year I published my very first commentary, which a lot of you have, Revelation. I started two fiction novels, which I'm, I'm in the process of polishing up right now. I edited and published another book for a friend. I published a comic book for Hartford Community College to promote their art classes. And I signed a contract with a publishing company. Doing something leads to other somethings. That's just a, that's a secular example. I'm telling you, if you will just do something, if you will get out of your malaise, if you will start something, you know, James chapter 2 says, faith without works is? Yeah. Not that you have to do works in order to be saved, but if you say you're saved and you don't have any works, your faith is dead. Faith should spur you to do works, right? Warren Wiersbe says the major theme of Hebrews is God has spoken, how are you responding? And if you haven't been going to church regularly, determine that you will and see how your faith grows. If you haven't been giving biblically, start. Try God. God. In Malachi chapter 3 is the only time in the Bible where God says, test me. Try me out. See if I'm lying. You give and I'll give it back to you. If you haven't been serving, start volunteering to do something. If you haven't been praying, reading your Bible, sharing your faith, start one. Just one. That's the whole point of the 90 days through the Bible reading plan, through, through the New Testament reading plan. It's just to get you to start something. If you're finding yourself in your rut and you're stuck and you're not where you're supposed to be, start something. Start reading your Bible every day. If you're not praying it, even if you're, if you're not going to pray, just read your Bible. If you're not going to read your Bible, spend five minutes talking to God every morning. Start something, because I'm telling you, if you start something, you're going to want to do something else. It's going to add to your faith. You're going to say, oh, well, this is pretty good. Let me, you know, maybe I'll pray a little bit before I read my Bible. You know? I got news for you. When you combine Bible reading with prayer, there's way more power than you ever thought possible. Way more power than you ever. You, you start praying while you're reading your Bible, things happen. I'm just telling you, things happen. You start reading your Bible and your heart gets convicted and you see something and you confess it while you're reading, stuff happens. That's what the Psalms are all about. That's why we read the Psalms. Those are prayers. Church turned them into songs, but they're prayers. It's confession, it's, it's adoration, it's, all, it's, the, it's the acts, the model of prayer. Adoration, confession, thanksgiving, supplication. It's telling God all the things that are on our hearts. If you start something, you'll do more. Start something, just do one thing, and you'll begin to repair your faith. Questions, comments, observations? In, uh, in Jeremiah chapter 2, um, <clears throat> It says, I remember the devotion of your youth, how as a bride you loved me and followed me through the wilderness, through the land on stone. A few verses later it says, What fault did your ancestors find in me that they strayed so far from yeah. they followed worthless idols? So it's like good. God remembers how like in our youth, like how we loved him, you know, we loved him as a bride, and then it's like we strayed from him. Uh, and I think a lot of it is because like we think that this walk with Christ is something that's easy. That's just being in like American culture by thinking, oh, you know, I'll be a Christian, you know, have like a happy go lucky life. And so, like, in, in Hebrews um, 38, I take no pleasure in the one who shrinks back. And so what happens is we think it's going to be easy. And the first, like, hint of, like, 
a mm -hmm. hurdle or like a wall or how we shrink back because we're afraid, right? But like if you, we've been going through the New Testament and Paul over and over, he's like, persevere with me, endure with me, labor with me, keep a firm hold on in terms of their faith. And so it's like, okay, endure, persevere, yeah. you know, labor. Those sound like boot camp words, like, you know, so it's not, it's not something that's going to be easy. And so I think, like, we want to shrink back because we have this false expectation of an easy life with Christ. Mm -hmm. And so, like, but turning, but shrinking back is not an option. And so... Well, look at the illustration that God gave us of our relationship with Christ, marriage. Mm -hmm. Marriage is hard work. Marriage is really hard work. It, it's, it's not just... Uh, you know, if you think you're going to get married and you're just going to be so happy every day and you're going to have this perfect Joanna Gaines life and, you know, everything's going to be perfect. The house is always going to be picked up. He's never going to leave his socks next to the couch. You are, so, you are in for a wake up. Well, she's always going to clean up and she's always going to take care of everything. And she's always going to be ready for me as soon as I get home and everything's going to be perfect. Hey, you're, you're living a lie. Yeah, you're wrong. You're so wrong. And the thing is, is that God gave us that illustration of marriage to show us what our relationship with Christ is supposed to be like. And, and, and to show us what our relationship with Christ actually is like. Thank you for joining us for Field Notes. If you have been blessed by the preaching and teaching you have heard, consider visiting our website at militaryfellowshipministry.com and click the Donate button. Any amount will be a great help to us as we continue to reach our men and women in the military with the gospel. Join us next week as we continue our study of God's Word. God bless you.